This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. I don't say, I don't dance, I don't do those anymore. Anything I don't show, you won't try here anymore. Michael, 36, and Bradley, 33, sit in Bradley's apartment. The Netflix series The Skin plays on the television, though the volume is low. Bradley's caught up through the second to the last episode of season two of the show, but Michael is only halfway through season one. However, Michael's only halfway interested in the series and is only watching the show because Bradley insists he do so. Hey, have you tried Bumble BFF yet? I looked at it the other day, but it seems kind of gay. Dude, you know not to call things gay. No, I mean actually gay. Like, it's a really weird interface to make platonic friends. Because, you know, like, you're used to swiping to meet women, so when you swipe to meet guy friends, it just feels gay, like homosexual. All right, I can see that. Uh, Do any of the other apps have weird features like that? Uh, Well, we did that Tinder group thing a few months ago, and I just actually, I just got this free trial for JSwipe, and it's got premium features. So, hold on, let me look at what they have. No, not JSwipe, like apps I can use. You don't have to be Jewish to use JSwipe. Uh, okay, so I can now see the mo- who the most eligible profiles are, but that probably just means like these are the hottest girls who get the most swipes. Yeah, but how useful is that to you? These women are getting bombarded with messages, and you're just going to get lost in the sea of noise. Are you going to use that? I mean, I probably won't get a lot of responses from him, but yeah, I'm going to use it. I just don't expect anything from it. And now I can also swipe outside my area. Like, here, look, I can put a pin in another city, and it swipes as though I'm there. Yeah, but what's the point of that? I don't know. Probably for people who are going to be traveling and want to set up dates before they go. And then, you know, like also for desperate people who would move for someone if they met them on an app. Yeah, that makes me sad. It is sad. Anyway, I'm going to fuck around with it in Seattle. Why Seattle? I've always wanted to go to Seattle. and Maybe, you know, I'll meet someone and that'll get me to finally book the trip. Ugh, that also makes me feel sad. Hold on a minute. This is, uh, this is my brother PJ. Uh, I should take this. Hold on. Michael walks into Bradley's hallway and closes the door behind him. Paul Joseph, 38, is a user interface expert working for a grocery and food delivery service in Austin, Texas. He's married and the father of three children. Since early childhood, Michael has always looked up to his older brother. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Bradley knocks on the door. Yo, that's how my sisters and I say hi to each other when we're on the phone, too. Only, you know, I call them sisters. Because they're girls. Okay, great, dude. I'm on the phone, though, but, you know. All right, sorry about that. Hey, how are things going? How's your face? Face is good. You'll never believe this, but they actually didn't need to take the tooth out. Wow, that is great. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a totally bizarre feeling to go into surgery with the assumption that you're going to lose, like, a part of your anatomy and then wake up and it's still there. Like, I had to really psych myself up for this because I had to be okay with the idea of missing a tooth for a long time. Then I wake up and poof, there's still a tooth there. It's like the people that say the secret to happiness is low expectations. I never actually believed it before, but now I kind of get it. Because if your expectation is that you will be toothless, then you wake up and have all your teeth and everything's great. Any bullshit can happen to you over the course of the day, but you still say to yourself, well, you know what, at least I have all my teeth. Is that like something people really say? Like this low expectations thing? Uh, I think I heard that from a TED talk. Huh, right on. So you're all back to normal? Eh, I mean, I'm still swollen and have a bunch of stitches in my gums, but I'm feeling good. So what else is new? Honestly, nothing. I've been dreading this surgery for the last few weeks and planning my life like it was going to be over after that. Now that the surgery left me intact, I'm kind of wide open. 
why don't you come down and visit for a weekend or something? See your niece and nephews. I will. But I actually was thinking of having some fun around here a little bit. Uh, try meeting some new people. I don't know. Who knows? That's cool. See, are you like uh, are you getting out there and dating and doing that whole thing? Trying to. It's actually not been going too well. Actually, do you remember Alicia? Um, who? Alicia. We went to high school together. She was dating that soccer player that you're younger than you. David something something. No idea. No idea at all. Well, I ran into her and we went out a few times. Then she totally screwed me over the day of my surgery. My most recent disaster. That's a really great story, brother. No, but that's good. That, that's good. I'm glad you're, you're getting out there and starting to do things. Um, you might even be ready for the, uh, the five steps of divorce that Mark and I came up with. I've told you about this, right? No. Oh, okay. Well, Mark and I, you know, we were going through divorce at the same time, and we had a couple of other friends going through divorce. So Mark and I were uh, hanging out, and we, you know, figured out that these, like, these five steps, that every divorced guy goes through. And it's what kind of gets you from being a broken, divorced guy to just like a regular person again. Why didn't you ever tell me this before? Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I'm telling you now. Fair enough. All right, go ahead. So step one is like you are just a depressed, broken dude. Your marriage is over. You have this like self-identity wrapped up in this other person. That's gone. All your plans are broken. Everything's out of whack. And you spend every minute just telling people about your divorce and, oh, my life and blah, blah, blah. You know, you're just like kind of a broken dude. Nobody likes to be around you. That, that seems about right. So then that, that lasts a few weeks, and then you move on to step two. Step two is like I'm going to fix everything right away. I'm going to get back to life as it was before. So you're like I'm going to show my ex and all my friends that I am bounced back, right? I'm not this miserable person anymore. So you look for an immediate serious relationship because that's what you know. You find the first person who likes you, and you just dive in. Okay. So that leads you to step three, which is when you realize you are not ready for a serious relationship. You are still that broken dude, but you're just pretending to be ready, right? So you start to sabotage this relationship, probably in a terrible way. If you're lucky, you can kind of get out of it without totally breaking the other person, but that usually doesn't happen, so you're just a total ass, okay? So I guess I'm still on step two because I haven't had a real relationship with anyone yet, and I still feel like that's what I want? Okay. What's step four? So step four is you just kind of go crazy. It's like one-night stands, bad decisions, lots of things you wouldn't normally do, but you kind of always wanted to do, so you just do it, right? You get these bad feelings through your body. You like It's like a, like a cleanse, right? You just cleanse all this bad stuff out of your body. It's kind of like, like your buddy Brad would call it like man whore or like party boy phase, right? Okay, but I don't think I'm much of a party boy. It doesn't matter. No, it's an important part of getting through the divorce. You just have to do it. And that's it? And then I move on to step five and done? No, not really. Because like, it's not really a smooth transition between the man whore and the normal person, right? You kind of hit rock bottom. There's like a moment in life where, at least for, for both Mark and I, you're sitting there and you look back and you think about all the bad decisions that you had to make in a row to get you to this point, right? And it's just like... You just feel like you're empty and alone, and and, you, and then you like you kind of give up, and you're like, hell with relationships. I'm gonna just go do this thing on my own, and then you, you pull yourself back together. You start doing things, hobbies that like bring you joy, if not for other people, and you feel happier and more content. And then you start looking forward to things again, right? You start like thinking of yourself as this husband without a wife, and you just start thinking of yourself as a as a guy who's who's doing stuff, right? You you feel your you start to build your confidence, and then. Just when you decide you're not ready for a relationship, you never want one again, that's when it comes along. 
But you've got to get through this, like, you've got to hit this rock bottom before you recover. Well, that sounds awful. No, 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 no. You're thinking about it all wrong. The part sucks, but, like, the long term is you're like a well-tuned relationship machine. You've been through the whole scope of marriage, the good, the bad, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've seen how much shitty communication can just, like, destroy a relationship. Sure. You see how much trust breaks down and how it feels to fall in love with someone and then fall out of love. You're like You've seen the bad stuff, right? So you can see it coming and you can avoid it, right? It's like playing a video game the second time. Sure. You just never let it happen. You just, like, avoid it. Look at me, right? Like, I've got a great relationship with my wife. We talk all the time. We communicate completely openly. It's as healthy as any relationship I ever... Hold on. Sure. I got to go, man. Little man just shit the tub, and we got to clean it. Keep living the dream, brother. You know it. Okay, so season three of Tool to Date has started, which means that you get to listen to more Tool to Date. And also, you get to listen to us talk about more Jabberjaw podcasts. Jabberjaw! Yes, Jabberjaw. So this week we're going to talk about Washed Up Emo. Washed Up Emo is hosted by Tom Mullen, and it focuses on uh, emo music from the late 90s and early 2000s. Because as Tom says, emo became a joke in the world after the early 2000s. And I always kind of thought emo was a joke. I don't know much about emo, Brad. All I remember about emo really is that this girl I dated in high school really liked it, so I hated it. Because we broke up, clearly. Well, emo, which I learned from the website, is short for emotional, and so those emotional feelings that you were feeling were emo. Well, okay, so that's some, like, emoception. Uh, recent episodes have had guests like Connor Murphy from Foxing and Smidley, and also Matt Lunsford from Polyvinyl Records, and Seth Nana from Indian Summer. Also, Kevin Lyman, who founded the Warp Tour, was interviewed, so that's pretty cool. I've been to the Warp Tour. I just want to point out, he's had 103 episodes of this podcast. That is an insane amount of, of coverage of emo from the early 2000s and late 90s. Something tells me that he talks about emo today as well. Michael returns to find Bradley watching the television. His cellular telephone is in his hand with a dating application open. He's swiping right on every profile, but his eyes are focused squarely on the television. How's your brother? Good, good, good. He was just checking out the surgery went. He was also giving me some advice on how to get through the divorce. Uh, what does he know about it? Well, he went through a divorce nine years ago. I did not know that. So what did he say? He said I should be a man whore. Really? Yeah, I mean, just like go out, have one night stands, make bad decisions, and blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't know. I guess just have fun until I crash and burn. Wait, why would you do that? You were just telling me how good you're feeling. Why would you deliberately crash and burn? Well, what I was doing before wasn't working. You kind of nailed the why. You said the first thing after the guy gets divorced is that you try and get back into a serious relationship again. And then I think he's right when he says that I'm not really ready for that. Maybe, I don't know, whoring it up is what I need right now. So you just trust implicitly that what worked for him will work for you. I don't think I buy that. I don't know, man. He's my big brother. I always looked up to him. I don't know. To be honest, I've always been a little bit of a pushover when it comes to him. Okay. Okay. Fine. How are you going to do this? Oh, no idea. Uh, I guess I didn't think it through enough. Mm. Let's see. We have the dating apps, right? I could just start by changing my settings. Like, do I change the profile to say that I'm looking for something more flingy? Yeah, okay. How would you do that? I, I don't know, man. I just, actually, I've seen a lot of women who make secondary profiles that are for their fetishes or just casual sex. They always say something like, this is my fun profile, and I have a normal one, too, and, and they never show pictures of their face on the fun one, so maybe I could do something like that. 
I don't know if you have the kind of body to pull off a no-face profile. You think that that works for a guy? I, I have no idea. Uh, I, this is not up my alley. Um, I'm assuming that I would have to create a profile that a woman would find sexy, right? But I have no idea what a woman would find sexy in a guy's profile. Or maybe it's just how I write the bio. Like, the pictures are normal and the bio says something like, like some special acronym or a code word or something to indicate that I'm looking for something more casual. I don't know. You've got Tinder open. Switch the preferences to see what men's profiles look like. Let's try and get some ideas. Okay. Uh, oh, wait. I can't do it. You can only change the gender you want to see, not the gender you are. I, I'd have to make a new profile for that, I think. If, if I just change the gender I want to see, I'm going to get gay guys. Well, are there any apps that allow you to change from being like a man to being a woman? Um, let me check. Yeah, you can on Bumble, so we can do that. Oh, fuck. It says you can only do it once, and then you can't change it back. That's pretty smart. Uh, but I'm not doing that. Um, I can do it on JSwipe. Yeah, but I don't think guys on J-Swipe would be as likely for, like, a casual sex thing. I don't understand why you keep saying stuff like that about Jews. Oh, wait, look. Michael shows Bradley the Tinder application on his own cellular telephone. If you edit your profile on Tinder, you can actually change your gender. You didn't see it before because you were editing your discovery settings, not your personal settings, and that's a different thing. You know, in the time it took you to show me that, you could have just changed it on your own goddamn phone. But, yeah, fine, I'll do it. Bradley alters his settings so that he appears as a woman searching for men. Okay, um, left, 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 left. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, that's a naked guy with a guitar. What does his account say? Uh, it says, looking for a fuck buddy, no strings attached. Then he makes a joke about turning his ribbed condoms inside out so they're for his pleasure. Ugh, he didn't even make up that joke. I've heard that one before. Okay, keep going. Left, 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 left. left, left. Left up, oh, naked bathroom selfie with his face and cock blurred. And this guy says he'll start between my legs and lick his way to my heart. Ugh, see, I don't want anything to do with these guys. I'm not doing this, man. I'm keeping my profile the same. I think that's wise. Right? So I keep my profile the same. I guess I can just be more active with the apps. I guess, oh, and I guess I can just open myself up to more opportunities and say just yes to more experiences. All right, that sounds fine. But for now, can we open ourselves up to the experience of getting the fuck out of here? I'm really hungry. Bradley and Michael leave Bradley's apartment and walk toward a small Israeli cafe a few blocks away. Shit, 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 walk faster. Shut up, shut up, walk faster. Shut up, be quiet. I'm not saying anything. We just passed a girl I went out with a while back and I can't remember her name. Okay, but I feel like she probably won't approach us. Man, she didn't even notice us. Calm down. Elizabeth did notice Bradley. She turns around and walks after him. You'll remember Elizabeth from the very first episode of the show. Brad. Brad. Bradley reluctantly turns around. Hey, um... Hi, how are you? It's so, it's so good to see you. You don't remember me. No, no, of course I remember you. We went out, and then we watched YouTube videos at your place. I've been meaning to call you. So you just don't remember my name? No, I remember your name. Of course he remembers you, Liz. Oh, hi. See, you don't remember me. That's Mike. Remember, he interrupted our date for a bit? No, I know that. Mike, I'm sorry, but actually I need to say something to Brad. Brad, I feel betrayed. You had no intention of seeing me seriously, but you convinced me to tell you all kinds of personal things about myself using that New York Times 36 questions quiz. I'm not a hookup kind of girl. I'm not. And I told you all those personal things for no reason. I thought you were really trying to get to know me. Whoa. I was trying to get to know you. I just, you know, I, I'm like everyone. I had a lot of things going on at the time, and, you know, it fizzled out. Things fizzle out. No, they didn't fizzle out. You manipulated me into sleeping with you, and then you fizzled out, which is worse than ghosting. You basically made me feel like I'm not worth enough for you to take seriously. 
like I'm not dating material and therefore only good as a slam piece. You can't just use girls to hook up with. I'm a person with feelings and you really hurt them. You know, I'm gonna step away. I'm, I'll give you guys some privacy. Please don't. Please? Seriously? You need him here to protect you? I don't, I don't know. Are you planning on hurting me? I've never been accosted like this on the street before. Listen, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings and I didn't realize that being open about your life would make you feel manipulated. I just think those questions are a fun game to play on a date. I'm sorry, I guess. Ugh, you can't even apologize like a gentleman. Elizabeth turns around and storms off in the opposite direction. Uh, well, that was intense. Yeah. Shit, I did not care for that. Why didn't you let me walk away? She was just yelling so much. I didn't like it. So I guess the 36 questions are off the table now? Huh? Not a chance. Too Old to Date was created by Mike Tanzillo and Brad Garoon. This episode was written by Brad and Mike. Our theme music is Loveless by GoGo Ghost. Stalk us on social media at Too Old to Date. If you have questions, comments, or the unbearable desire to be an angry troll, email us at info at tooltodate.com. Want to share your dating stories? Give us a call at 718-559-1040 and leave us a message with your story. If we get really good ones, we'll play them on the show. For more info, visit tooltodate.com. And while you're there, consider leaving a donation. It will help us make more shows, pay for more dates, and <clears throat> maybe give the narrator a raise. Darkest night, and we will glow in our faces This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Can we make a strings guitar joke there? A strings guitar joke? Like no strings attached. Oh, is that like a guitar pun? Do you think that's funny? No. <laughs> it wasn't my head and then I said it out loud. <laughs>